Of course Brad's right. He always is. Like, he knows what he's doing. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. Brad Spielberger is in the house right here from Pro Football Focus. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Absolutely nailed that pick uh, between the Texans and the Broncos. Uh, And this is an interesting week because it feels like the first week in quite some time where there are several games that could very well be impacted by weather. Uh, As far as those weather contests are concerned, general process that you have for this week and any one particular bet that stands out. Yeah, for sure. The biggest thing for me um, is actually kind of fading some narratives as it relates to weather and also, I think, overemphasizing others. So a lot of people will point to rain or snow. Historically, there's not a, a, a lot of data supporting a massive outcome once the books have adjusted to rain or snow. The big thing that impacts the passing game and therefore impacts game outcomes and more importantly, in some cases, totals is wind. So I'm paying a ton of attention to wind. Generally, it's a base rate of about 15 miles per hour is where it starts to impact intermediate and deep passing. And obviously, you're going to get gusts above the base floor about 15, but that's where it starts to impact it. So then you look at teams and you look at, okay, is a downfield passing, explosive passing attack a huge part of their offense? And if so, then you're probably going to downgrade them, at least on the offensive side of the football. So, yeah, that, that's where I start there. Um, as it ties into this week in particular, um, you know, I don't think there's any, you know, particular, I guess there is one actually. So I just mentioned where if, if an explosive downfield passing attack is a big part of your game, the Houston Texans, that, that is probably, that might be the poster child for that this year. Um, and I don't think it's, it's, it's the only element of their offense, but it is a huge, huge part of it. They're going to New York, playing a very, very good Jets defense, a Jets defense that already limits explosive plays as well as any defense in the NFL, play a lot of cover three, play a lot of off coverage in that Robert Sala scheme. Um, and then you add in sustained winds around 15 and 20 miles an hour with gusts up to 25. So, you know, I don't know if you're playing that where you're playing the Jets because, you know, you, you couldn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not betting on the Jets right now in any any standpoint. But, you know, the total there, I want to say, started around 37. Um, and it may you may have seen that and been like, oh, my goodness, a Texans total at 37. That makes no sense. Made a whole lot of sense when you look at the win situation and the explosive passing game for Houston. I think we've missed the boat there. But that's probably the best example um, and there, there's kind of my synopsis on how I look at weather. And like you said, we're in December now. It matters even more. Yeah. And uh, a couple of these spots with very low totals, like tomorrow, you have backup versus backup. So you have weather and then you have QB2s, QB3s, some situations, maybe QB4s out there uh, this week. So it's likely to be some ugly, ugly football. All right. So we were going over the most bettable backup quarterbacks earlier in the show is there one that you think is most bettable and is there another backup in line of start that uh, you cannot wait to fade so Gardner's been our guy all year you know obviously we we took him I, I hope I shared that on the show we had, we had the Colts last week uh, in Tennessee uh, and, and so he's been our guy for a while I'm not sure I love his matchup with another backup that I probably would have answered uh, for the latter part of that question in Jake Browning after he was 32 of 37 for 354 yards uh, you know, the Jaguars defense should, should still just be embarrassed by what they put on the field on Monday night um, so anyway there, there's that uh, it's a good question. I mean, who in particular I'd want to fade as a backup? Hmm. 
I mean, I do think there, there there's two buckets of backups, and I think you should also view them depending on the game. So there's there's the high variance type of backup, like a you know, Josh Dobbs, for example, like a Mitchell Trubisky, um, and then there's kind of the low variance you know, game managing backup, you know, which I probably would have said Jake Browning probably fell more into that bucket. I don't know if we can say that now. Um, you know, like that's like your Tim Boyle, your Trevor Simeon versus the Jets now go out and get a Brett Ripon. He falls into that high variance, could be great, could be four interception type bucket. So long answer short there, you know, look, the Steelers, as bad as the Patriots are with a game total of 30 um, and, and Mitchell Trubisky against Bill Belichick, a defense that has allowed 10 or fewer points three mm-hmm. weeks in a row and the fewest points in the NFL since week nine. Yeah, part of that probably because offenses don't need to score, um, you know, late in games because they're winning. But nevertheless, maybe that's one angle there because Trubisky is going to be the guy that's going to push it downfield. Yeah, you might get some explosives, some scoring. He also might get picked off multiple times. I want to ask you about Eagles at Cowboys. Looking forward to this matchup. This spread at three and a half. The total we were talking about earlier, high, 53. Uh, I also saw this crazy headline, David Carr saying that the Eagles should play Mariota and try to get Jalen Hurts healthy, that there's no point in playing him right now. So I'm curious your thoughts just on this matchup, side total, and also David Carr's comments on NFL Network. Uh, to, to Mariota, he has both in his career at times been the high variance backup and the boring, you know, do nothing backup, depending on the situation of the team. But I mean, absurd comment. I, you know, I don't know. You're going to get me in trouble. David Carr, you know, says a lot of dumb things on the airwaves. I think taking 70 sacks as a rookie may have may have jumbled his brain a little bit. Um, yeah, one of the dumbest comments of the year. But anyway. The total is probably too high. You know, I do think as many concerns as I have about both of these defenses, you know, in particular over the middle, which is why there was a bidding war for Darius or Shaq Leonard. I keep saying Darius Leonard. Uh, between Shaq Leonard for, by the Cowboys and the Eagles, Terrence Steele has been the issue for the Cowboys' pass protection unit so far this year, coming back from the torn ACL, and that's where Hassan Reddick's going to do most of his work over the right tackle. Um, Dak Prescott came back down to earth. He hadn't been sacked in three games. I kind of highlighted in – trying to get a boy a mafe prop that didn't hit but but that that you know like his sack his pressure to sack rate actually is you know kind of you know like below average um and he went three games without getting sacked and got sacked four times against seattle and had been sacked four times or more i want to say five games in a row before uh the three game streak of zero so you know, maybe that's an angle there is you're playing some Hassan Reddick sack props if they're, if they're decent value and maybe also looking at the under here. It's a late season divisional game. I know they're explosive offenses. I know CeeDee Lamb can can pick on, you know, the Eagles' inability to cover over the middle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but I do think that total is a bit too high. Wanted to ask you about some uh, research that got posted by our friend uh, Robbie Greer on Twitter, where he believes that when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, deep accuracy, throws beyond 20 air yards, maybe that's more of a function of the wide receiver than it is the quarterback himself. First off, do you agree with that assessment? And if so, because we get so enamored by explosives, are there quarterbacks that maybe we should be fading because they rely so much on deep plays, but in reality, when it comes to what a quarterback is actually responsible for, maybe they're not as good as what some critics might say. 
I need to go check that out now. Yeah, everyone, or at R. Greer NFL, um, one of the best followers on Twitter, does phenomenal, phenomenal work. So I need to go read that. I hadn't seen it. But it's funny you mentioned that, actually. There was uh, a shout-out to somebody else, too. Theo Ash does some pretty cool film breakdown. He's probably yeah. 19 years old, so shout-out shout out Theo as well. <laughs> and he had a tweet like a month or two ago. Um, no, nah, credit to him. He, he, he works hard. And he was like, I think that we are putting too much value in, yeah, this accuracy 20-plus yards downfield to me is a wide receiver stat. And he used – it was like a Tony Pollard play um, probably a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, where it was like, you know, downfield wheel route over the shoulder. And he was like a wide receiver. An NFL wide receiver is catching this 10 out of 10 times. And then we're sitting there saying, oh, what a great downfield pass from Dak Prescott, pinpoint accuracy. But Pollard kind of played it over the wrong shoulder – kind of got his feet twisted and missed the ball. And he's like, I could see a charting company saying, oh, that was an inaccurate pass because it wasn't really like it looked like it, it you know, without context. So actually, because of that, it kind of like dived into film and dived into it looked at our, our accuracy charting. Um, and I think we do account for it. I, I talked to some graders and we do, and we try to as much as we can. Anyway, long answer short, I agree. And, and I think Look at even Tyree Kill's second touchdown from this past week. He's initially looking over his left shoulder. He turns around and catches it over his right shoulder and scores that 70-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Like, if that's a bad, if that's a lesser receiver, it's probably an incompletion, and we're saying two is not accurate. So, yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm excited to go read Robbie Greer's analysis on it because I'm sure it's first rate. Um, and it is. It's an important point to understand. Last thing I'll say on that, Jordan Love – I probably talked about it on the show. I talked about a lot of places. He was our least accurate passer on throws 10-plus yards downfield through, like, week six or week seven. Every single pass catcher he's throwing to is either a rookie or a second-year player. And then, like, Christian Watson gets healthy, and Romeo Dobbs starts playing better football. Dontavian Wicks, you know, the rookie, and Jaden Reed, the rookie, start playing better football. And, oh, voila, he's been awesome throwing 15 and 20-plus yards downfield. Maybe he wasn't as much of the issue. I do think there were some throws on film where he was the issue. But nevertheless, uh, maybe that, that, that credit or that blame should be more shared than we originally thought. Who's going to be the MVP? I mean, I just I do feel as though there will be enough pressure, uh, you know, from from I don't know how to say this, like more nerdy, advanced media, because that's that's not who has the votes. It's obviously the, the kind of old old heads that probably do want to vote for Brock Purdy. But I think there will be mm -hmm. enough of a drumbeat from the you know more advanced analysts that say like Brock Purdy is not driving this engine um, and does not deserve to win an MVP award in the NFL. Granted, if you're the total EPA leader, you've won it like, I don't know, what is it, like 90% of the time in the last 15 years, and mm -hmm. he's probably going mm -hmm. to be the leader in total EPA generated on a at least top three seed, maybe one seed in a conference. Give it. Here's my thing. If, if Dallas beats Philadelphia this weekend, Dak Prescott should be the first, he's number one in odds. Um, you know, I think he needs that statement win. They then would have the same record as Philly. Philly would, Philly would have a tiebreaker and conference record. They'd still be the one seed, but... If Dallas wins the NFC East and therefore is either the one or two seed and Dak keeps playing like this, in my opinion, it should be Dak. Yeah, it looks like it might be headed that way. What are some of your favorite bets for the week that we haven't touched on yet, Brad? Yeah, so one total that I think is interesting. Um, very scary to play overs in, this, in today's NFL, but uh, Bills at Chiefs, uh, it's 47 and a half now. So the Bills' defense is just bad. Like, we've known that. They're bad. Yes, they've had a bye week, but they just don't have the horses, uh, you know, right now on defense. The Rasul Douglas trade was great. He's been pretty good. Um, he's been up and down. He's had some great games, some poor games. 
they are going to struggle mightily to cover Travis Kelsey. You know, the, the, the linebackers and safeties they have right now just cannot do it. And, um, you know, I think that will be exposed. But then also, they're just not going to generate enough pressure, and Patrick Mahomes will do Patrick Mahomes things. Then on the flip side, as much as I do love this Chiefs defense, the injuries are really kind of mounting up at this point. And you're playing your, your fourth inside linebacker, and I think it's Jack Conkren, who actually played pretty well in, in, in that game. Uh, but, you know, week of film, you'll find ways to pick on him. They also lose Brian Cook, a very good young safety, who I don't know how long he's out for, but he's definitely not playing in this game um, based on that ankle injury. So I think you can attack the middle with them. They're going to have both tight ends back in this game, probably more 12 personnel, more throwing over the middle. Um, and then Stephon Diggs is a tough matchup for anyone, you know, as much as I like Legereus Need and Trent McDuffie. So, the over 47 and a half in that game, um, I, I think, and, and hopefully it's a fun one, but th- that's one play. Not my favorite, not my favorite lineup, to be totally honest with you. I guess one, one other one I liked coming into the week was the Colts, but you know, then I saw Jake Browning play Monday night. So uh, I guess we'll go with that total <laughs> to start. Uh, and then Miami minus 13. There's one more for you. They are as bad of a matchup for Tennessee as I could imagine because you say, okay, Tennessee can be physical and that's a problem for Miami. Yeah, sure. If Jeffrey Simmons is playing, which he's not going to be, it sounds like. I know Derrick Henry is not in the protocol. I'm not really sure why. I thought he was like unconscious on the field for two seconds in, in that last game. So I just think it's it's a bad matchup because the ways you could talk yourself into Tennessee covering this spread are no longer there. On the flip side, Vic Fangio and this Miami Dolphins defense um, has limited explosives. They have the best uh, coverage grade and EPA per, per, per drop back allowed uh, against throws 15 plus yards downfield on the season. Will Levis has just been chucking it up. Like he's just been throwing bombs. I think he's going to get picked off two, three times in this game. Um, I like Miami in another blowout here. Speaking of the Dolphins, uh, with about a minute to go here, Brad, does that mean that Miami is en route to a one seed in the AFC? I think it's very possible. You know, Baltimore, I do want to see them, you know, get back to playing good offense without a Mark Andrews and see if they can, you know, look look a little bit better in that regard. Miami's defense, I, I hated the loss of Jalen Phillips, but I still think it's, you know, it, it's a really good unit and, and they're getting better each week. And, and then also, yeah, the offense is just so dynamic and so explosive. Yeah, I, I think it's very, very possible they are headed that way. Also, real quick, uh, Broncos, uh, looks like Russell Wilson, you know, likelier and likelier to uh, not be around after next year. Does this matter at all as far as handicapping this game against the Chargers? Not really. No, it, it's going to be a fascinating decision for them, no matter what they do, but not really. And these two teams are bizarre, like just different week to week. The Chargers defense is like playing decent football now, not because the Patriots game, but, you know, the Ravens game and other things. Doesn't matter to me, no, but. I, I do think one team has full faith and confidence in their coach and the other team is waiting for their coach to be fired. So that might, that might matter. <laughs> Good stuff. You can get Brad Spielberger from pro football focus. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your time. We always appreciate you having uh, being able to come on each and every Wednesday. This is BetQL daily presented by BetMGM. coming up next. Will favorites continue to be the winning play for week 14 and what's Shoei Otani going to do? We've got the critically acclaimed trend or truth coming up right here on the BetQL network.